0: G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. On today's episode, we have Luke from Oz Fish and Game. How are you going, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Self? That's good. Yeah, good, thank you. Good. You know, just dealing with all this politics stuff going along with uh, bow hunting in South Australia at the
1: moment. Yeah, good fun, isn't it? Yeah. So, in terms of that, obviously there's um, some pretty serious implications for the, the hunting activities in that area. Um. What spurred that on, and um, more than anything, where do you think it's going to end up? So complete elimination, or
0: what's let it on is people who go down to their local sporting goods store and buy a hundred and fifty dollar compound bow. They buy some cheap arrows with fill points, and they don't know any hunting regulation laws, ethics on, and anything about bow hunting. You know, broadheads, arrows. And they see a kangaroo or they see a possum or a neighbor's cat and shoot it. And because uh, Field Point won't kill an animal the way a broadhead does, these animals escape. Um, as Robbie brought up on the Blood Origins post he did today, so if you're listening to this, it was like about four, five weeks ago on Blood Origins. Um, someone a year and a half ago shot a seal off a of kangaroo island with a bow, um, yeah, so I was going to mention that. Yep, there's been a bunch of those things happen, so that's where it's come from, and also that the deputy premier has a lot of anti-hunting and animal rights group ties. So duck hunting and bow hunting are what's under her her thumb that she wants to get rid of, Um, and yeah, it it slowly leaked out that that's what she was doing. Um, the group, Shasa, they contacted me and um, as soon as I got the hard proof I needed, I just went on a rampage sharing it with everyone. So
1: It, it got a lot of airtime pretty quickly. I was actually really impressed by that. Yeah, um, it just helps. You know, there were times with the algorithm and stuff like that. Um, sometimes it's really hard to spread that information, but um, it's been quite
0: good. Yeah, actually. it has. Because people get worried. You know what it's like. But, um, you know, I, I messaged. It's a good, for good it, but, reason too. Bunch yep. of people emailed him, so fingers crossed. But by the time that this episode comes out, all of that's behind us for now. Um, you know, I, I know that there's a couple meetings coming up with some politicians with um, Chaser, so fingers crossed that they go where they need to go. And the stuff that Robbie has shared today goes a bloody long way.
1: Um, so they sort of um, spearheading. This um, sort of pushback against the birds?
0: Yeah, so none of them are really bow hunters, but they, you know, they run this conservation. I, I can't remember what it stands for, but it's some something conservation hunters, South Australia, something like that. Um, so that came across their path because Susan Close told all of the people below her to start telling people to get brace for this, and then one of her people leaked it out to them. Then they leaked it out to me. And then when we, they started doing a mail on MP thing off of their website. Um, and then when we got the first email back from an MP saying, yep, that, this is what she's doing. We've jumped on it straight away. And, you know, I started sharing with blood origins and cow from cows. We can review, um, messaged Ted Nugent, nothing back yet. I've messaged, um, Tim Wells, Tim Wells asked what he could do. So hopefully he does something. Um, but, yeah, just get as many big names out there as possible.
1: <laughs> That'd be pretty amazing. Yeah, I've often thought that, like, instead of just being sort of regional specific, you know, an issue in, you know, South Australia or Australia, yeah. you know, for a a landmass, make it international, you know what I mean, get everyone on board. You know, you're not going to be have the power to maybe persuade politicians, but if you can get it out in the media and show international support. And, again, you know um, – People like Bio Origins, Medea, stuff like that, you know, to show the the positive side of hunting. Exactly. You know what I mean. Um, so it's not just kill that pest animal or one of those sort of mindsets. It's really the let's be sustainable. You know, let's um, restore some habitat, um, control the herd. You know, get rid of some of the disease if it's present. Um, obviously, CWD in America, chronic wasting disease. Yeah. But um, and keep that going. You know what I mean. That we can even with fishing. We can be those conservation people to maintain things without taking too much. Exactly. To have too too much of a negative impact.
0: And it's 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 a weird balance in Australia and it's something we as hunters in Australia have to balance with, you know, we need to get feral and introduced animals numbers down and we also want them around for especially deer like you know pigs foxes all of that stuff wipe them out but you know deer they hold a spot in my heart and i don't want to ever see the landscape without them but i know that they're damaging to the land as well and yeah so but yeah your question before on whether i reckon that will go through i don't reckon it will go through because of the public backlash and i'm hoping that it won't if it does it's going to have a lot of upset people like myself um you know, I've got a lot of properties that are bow hunting only because the you know they might be a small property but have houses nearby and the owners are more comfortable with bow hunting than rifle hunting. So yeah, it's 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 a weird one. You're going to have these properties where you're not going to ma- be able to manage these pest
1: species. Yeah. So well, it's funny you know in a world where a lot of people are so anti-firearm, you think they'd support bows a little bit more. I, I guess in a sense, it's an easier target. Because, you know, a deer might run off. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that it's going to survive with an arrow on its side, but people think that, especially the uneducated, you know what I mean? See it run off, it, oh, it must, be, it must be alive, you know what I mean? It it must have run back to its wallow or something like to that effect and it's suffering, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, people don't understand that there's no humane death in the animal kingdom. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Deer have antlers on their heads to fight and spear each other. So they'll kill each other with their antlers and then die a very similar way to how an arrow kills them. Or they'll die of infection from it. Or, you know, old age, they you know, they wear all their teeth out and then they starve to death. Or you know.
1: Yeah. That's um it's really interesting too, uh, with the feral animal control excuse the dogs. Nah, it's all good. Um, so, you know, we talk about deer and they use, what's that word they use for it? Um, anapomorphizing. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Um, Rogan, I think, coined it. But, um, I actually think it was
0: Ranella acting. and then Ranella. then ah, Rogan started
1: <laughs> copying Renella. I stand corrected. <laughs> um, but it's so true, you know, with like Bambi and, and different stuff like that. We see that, and it's, oh, it's a gentle baby, you know what I mean? It wouldn't hurt a fly. Yeah. But I believe it may have been South Australia, it could have been Victoria, that recently someone died. Um, Due to a kangaroo? Yeah. You know, Obviously kind kangaroos is a big I think that was moment, Western but... Australia.
0: That was a 70, oh, okay. 70 year old man or something, something along those lines got, got gored by it. But there was also in the news the last couple of days, a lady in the state, she got mauled by a mule deer in a driveway.
1: she got to say <laughs> that. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I know, for instance, um, Newcastle base where I'm from, uh, Raymond Terrace, you know, you've got a lot of waterboard land there, which you can't hunt on. Yeah. Um, and obviously, they're probably worried about contamination and stuff like too, that being drinking water. But um, there's a lot of deer there, right on new housing estates. And the yeah. housing estates aren't getting bigger and bigger. You've got big bucks, you know, come to run, fighting on people's front lawns.
0: Yeah, is that Rusa passing through there?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's the primary uh, one. But the question is, when does public safety come into it too? Like, you know, I mean, they talk about deer, deer not being able to hurt them, let them yeah. run free. There's got to be that control in place. And that's the good yeah, thing I, about the
0: state. Some of those suburb, like suburban areas, they have actual bow hunting programs where they train bow hunters to hunt deer in suburban situations. So, you know, that's where that's bow awesome. hunting can be resourceful for those situations and the meat's getting utilised and it's not just getting yeah. wasted like when government shoots anything.
1: Yeah, well, that's the biggest this point for me. You know, it's funny you talk about um, Ted Nugent, um, you know, talking about, how many tonnes worth of meat does he donate every year? Yeah, off you know of I mean?
0: his Michigan ranch, his Texas ranch, the chopper culls that he does on pigs, they go back through. So you see him blasting pigs with ARs and
1: whatever <laughs> yeah, else, yeah. <laughs> whatever but else you can in Texas. But a phenomenal use of meat. Yeah, all of that um,
0: meat. They have um Hunter for the Hunters, uh, yeah. sorry, Hunters for the Homeless programs where you donate meat to the homeless and all of that feeds homeless people goes to all of those shelters and stuff like that like it's it's crazy that you know we go waste hundreds of thousands of kilos of meat every year from these government tropicals you know it's a massive thing in new south wales it's a massive thing in victoria it's a massive thing here in south australia like we have a spot in south australia the southeast um where most deer species are found here in south australia and it's a very like we've only got private land hunting no public land but these chopper cars, they'll go fly over and push the deer out of private property into the public to shoot them during the rut yeah so there's all hunters out there you know on these on these like because you can pay to access some blocks down there and yeah, Yeah, yeah so people are hunting these blocks and then they've got government flying over and pushing these deer back into the parks and shooting them
1: yeah that's rough i mean we've had that I can't remember if it was New South Wales, Victoria. It could have been both. Yeah. Um, come the last ride, Same situation where it was like, hey, you know, you've got certain forests. Oh, by the way, they're closed because we're doing aerial culls. Yeah. So this is peak season, guys. You want to control these deer so badly, do it off season. Yeah. You, well, You know people are paying good money to get that license to book a week away on holidays, to spend fuel, food, boards, whatever the case is, to to turn up and they're locked out. Because it's on a sonic gate, you're not told beforehand.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that money that they're paying to <laughs> to do it is funding the kills. But yeah, one of the past guests and good mate of mine, Cody Giron, um, he's from up near Bathurst, and he had the same thing. He was out hunting this year on his property, and he's having helicopters push deer off. And you know, he's he's seen deer get shot on his property from helicopters and other people's property. Oh, they're supposed to have permission before they do it you know, a lot of farmers don't give them permission, but they do it anyway. Yeah. So it's... I
1: would be ropeable. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Cody, oh
0: I can't believe that. Yeah. Cody can't even hear the subject without going, like, almost super sane on shit, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the funny thing, you know, doing all your firearms um, stuff. You know, we're talking about before the podcast started, um, just applied for firearms. officer training to be able to conduct that for uh, my hunting club. So I think to... Enter someone's land with a firearm and not even fire. It's five years jail. Yeah. For good reason, you know. So how does that apply when you've got professional contractors, you know, flying around, taking shots in someone's yard? Exactly. Surely there's got to be repercussions to that.
0: If they're caught, you know. (laughs) Well,
1: I guess that's the thing. How do you prove it?
0: Um, So let's get on to the questions because we've we've gone on to onto this and no one knows anything about you yet so (laughs) (laughs) so you briefly said it before where are you from
1: yep so based in Newcastle yep um, spent most of my life living around here did a brief stint in uh, Brisbane Um, didn't really find it too great so I came back down this way I don't Um, blame you (laughs) yeah spent a lot of time at a younger age uh, fishing Lake Macquarie so that's um, obviously running Oz Fishing Game that's sort of how it ties in there um, we didn't have any really large, you know, fancy holidays as a kid. That was sort of our outlet was, um, boating, fishing, and camping. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Awesome way to grow up, you know what I mean? Every, at least every second weekend, you know, back in the day, you used to be able to camp on Pool Bar Island in the middle of the lake or, um, what's now, Murray's Beach. Just amazing. Um, so to do that at a young age. Um, always wanted to get into hunting. Um, so family, friends have, uh, property at Tenworth, um, I think I believe it used to be hundreds or thousands of acres. Um, raising cattle and stuff like that. So obviously the firearms around, as most young boys, you're sort of fascinated with that. Where, you know, can I use it? Um, so, see you know, had a little bit of a bit of a play with twenty twos, four ten shotguns, absolutely loved it. And while mum and dad were happy for us to use it in that regards when the topic of hunting came up, they tended to shy away <laughs> a little bit. Um, which is curious because my pop was a hunter. Yeah. Um, and my uncle did a bit, mostly trap shooting. But, so, um, Pop on your mum's well. side or your dad's side? Uh, on mum's side. Yeah. So, one of my earliest memories of hunting was um, they used to live at Harrington. So, you just need sort of Tarray right? mid-north coast. And um, had the house, nice big renovation on the back of it. And there's a big old chest freezer underneath. It was sort of pops sort of a dungeon, a big brick sort of um, hut. But in that chest freezer, you used to live the ice creams. So again, young kid, you're like hell yeah, you know I'm gonna get in there. And I remember sitting there one day and they were talking about a cat. Like, why would the cat be in the freezer? Like, it, it didn't compute. You know, I I didn't understand at the time. Anyway, my brother G'd me up. Let's go check it out. Like, yeah, yeah, no worries. I remember like sneaky rip the corner. You know, like it's like uh, Christmas time. You ripping your present. You know what I mean? Trying to suss <laughs> out what's in there. Rip this corner of his bag because so we just it's completely foreign concept to us at the time. Uh, pulled it open, and sure enough, there's this sort of big ragdoll sort of cat in there, just blown away, and, you know, pop, you know, walking down the backyard, whatever it was, oh, shit, you know, slam the freezer door, piss off upstairs, but um, that really stuck with me, but not in a bad way, it was just that curiosity, yeah. like, what is it, and why are you doing it? Like, I, I couldn't understand, and a lot of un- uh, aunties these days, I think of the same way, they don't take the effort to comprehend why, why you're doing it, you yeah. know, what's going on. Um, only the other day, I saw a neighbor's cat, you know, walking across the front yard with a dove in its mouth. You know what I mean? It's, there's a reason. There's a purpose. Sometimes for you know, deer and pigs, it might be food. Sometimes it's pest control. Um, you know, it's really hard to get that point across sometimes to people. But that, that piqued the interest in hunting, uh, getting back on it. Um, so didn't really get into it until my uh, late 20s. Um, so around 2017, had a serious motorbike accident. Yeah. Um, so I did uh broke four ribs, shoulder and punctured lung. Good fun. Nasty. Couple of months off work. Um had a bow sitting there. So I did a bit of archery at a younger age. Mum was into that. But um I couldn't really hit the broadside of a barn, you know what I mean? <laughs> Definitely no practice or guidance, you know, pre internet days or pre mainstream internet days. And um so sitting at home for a couple of months on end, you know, flicking through TV, YouTube, doing all those sorts of things. I'm like I've got the bow sitting there. Once I heal up, obviously, why don't I get back into that? So I started researching hunting um, and it sort of grew from there into a passion. That's awesome. Uh, so before I got my firearms license, that was um, a great endeavor to get that. I think it was 10 and a half months wait. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> that's <laughs> good, insane. Good on New, South, New South Wales firearms registry.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's but, a strange one how much that changes state to state and just, you know, it could be really good one, one year and, Bad. what the next year um, you know you see posts on Facebook all the time people complaining about how long they're waiting you know like I think it was Western Australia you have to get a like a license for each firearm you get like it's
1: and I believe if you modify that rifle so it's even changing a scope out for instance I believe you need to get that piece of paper amended to reflect that new item yeah wow that's yeah.
0: yeah, firearm law- laws are nuts and they're, they're silly to go, go down sometimes because, you know, you hear something from someone and you're like, oh, all right, and you keep hold of that saying, you know, you tell everyone else that this is the law, this is what I've been told. And even firearms instructors get it wrong. Like I seen a post the other day, um, someone saying that you can't travel into South Australia with a firearm from another state. And it's like, no, you can, you can and yeah, like they're saying it was real bad and he's like my firearms instructor told me when I was doing my course and then one of my mates who's a firearms instructor saying no you're wrong <laughs> and this guy what's just kept interesting- sticking
1: oh even on that note um, I messaged different state agencies uh, a few months ago just trying to get information about people to travel in a state what's yeah. your rules uh, because a lot of stuff, even New South Wales for instance I can't remember the exact wording but they talk about something to the effect of You know, you must take all reasonable care to stop it from being stolen, effectively. So that's great. So how does that apply to situations where you're hunting for seven days? You know, we don't necessarily have the backcountry, but in a situation where you're in a car, you might be sleeping in a motel, um, or even in a a swag or a tent. How does that apply there? I couldn't get a straight answer.
2: Yeah, talk about all
1: transportation laws and stuff like that. I believe two or three of the state firearms agencies didn't even bother to get back to me. As a whatever you want to call it—a website, a, a business, a club, whatever you want to refer yeah. to it as—who's um, trying to educate and help people to make them to help them follow the law? Because they, be <laughs> they don't want it to be easy. They don't want it to be easy.
0: You yeah. know, I've, I've floated around an idea with a couple of mates before. Um, if you had like a an app where people can go to they click what state they are you know you've got the map of australia i'm in south australia you click south australia and it comes up you know your different different laws and it gives you like it has all of your firearms laws word for word all through so it's just easier to find because people do say on the internet that it's harder to find you know different states regulations depends you know if you know what you're looking for it people yeah. can find it um Shout out to Dan. He's one of my good mates from ET. He, he finds law like that. He can find find anything. But, you know, a dumbass like me scrolling through, like if you don't know what you're looking for, you, do, you you can't find anything. So if you had an app like that where you can find all the hunting regulations, all of your firearms regulations, all on that one spot when you click the state. And, you know, it's good idea. even like when you click, click the state, it comes up, it gives you the the firearms licensing information. So how you get, how you apply for your license, what training you need to do for your license, you know, gives you, cause here in South Australia, we get given a double S double a handbook. I'm not sure on other States. Um, but you know, have all of that digital so people can do it all on their phone and find out everything, have dummy tests for those yeah, States yeah. on each one. You know, I think something like that would be, <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a great idea. I'm actually uh, kicking myself somewhat to an extent with that. Um, I was doing the New South Wales AIs training. Um, so recently, the New South Wales DPI uh, made like an online training platform, yeah. which is great. Moving with technology, I fully support that. The problem is that I posed that to HWSA, Hunters and Shooters Society of Australia, uh, when I was doing the training for them, and they asked on my behalf, could we implement something like that? You know, trying to modernise things, obviously. Yeah. Ease of access for the honey community, and potentially the DPI have taken that idea and adapted it for themselves. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, it seems that COVID pushed a lot of those agencies to make things better, better equipped, and easier to do and to do
1: online. Yeah. So that's that's one benefit myself, of COVID. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought it was a cracker idea. I'm like, damn it, they took it. <laughs> Whether well, uh, it's true or not, maybe someone else had the idea a long time ago. Ah, uh, if they it takes took well it, for bureaucracy to. To get the wheels turning. So. Be like
0: I told him to do that, you know, give yourself a pout in the back. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We all need that sometimes. Exactly. So what do you do for work, mate?
1: Um, so I have recently started a job um, for a steel manufacturing, making train wheels. Nice. Um, so so different? Learn a mature- yeah, it is. Um, so I did seven years in Asheville, um, which was interesting. You know, civil construction, living out of a suitcase, uh, sort of like drive-in, drive-out, for yep. want of a better term um you see a lot of australia which is good you know from ballina dubbo places like that cool um but it's just nowhere to leave you know what i mean that drive and drive out sort of thing so yeah recently started so um a lot of my time is painting wheels at the moment and operating cranes cool
0: that's Uh, yeah interesting for sure definitely a different answer to most, most people's jobs, you know, it's just a trade or retail or something like that. But, yeah, I like it. It's yeah, cool. Yeah. We've had a train, train conductor on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so we've gone through how you got into hunting and fishing. What type of gear are you running? Are you a rifle hunter? Are you a bow hunter?
1: Are you both? So everything, really. Um, so the first thing I bought um, after seven years in row construction I took a voluntary redundancy. So I wasn't going to get any sort of uh, career progression. I just had a go for And the first thing I went out and bought after that was a PSE Carbon Air 35 bow. <laughs> like top of the line. Yeah, very top of the line. Critique. Very fa- fancy. <laughs> very forgiving to, you know, someone who's still a, a yeah. rookie archer, really. You know what I mean? I'm I'm never going to c- c- compete in the Olympics or anything like that. So, <laughs> Neither could I, Absolutely amazing. That that was a step up from my Abbey Archery Cockatoo, I think I had, <laughs> which I still use for bow fishing. So yeah, that's, that answers that question too. Um, so that's as far as bows, you know, a lot of the bells and whistles on that too, because why not? Um, I've got a few rifles these days. Um, so the one I use primarily is my Frankie uh, Horizon 270. Yeah. Um, cheap entry-level rifle. Yeah. I actually won that in a competition which is really cool man i hate um, people
0: that win rifles in competitions oh, i know right
1: <laughs> um so shout out to arms and ever <laughs> beresfield uh for that one so um they had a competition this is like pre-covid days yeah where it's like you know come in spend 200 bucks um beretta sponsored them quite a few places sponsored that's awesome all. and i'm like well i've been eyeing off uh, an adler a110 shotgun lever action shotgun I should just buy that. <laughs> so I went in there, bought that with, you know, the, the short barrel, the long barrel. And, uh, yeah, next minute, got a phone call. Hey, you want a rifle? Cool. Like, you serious? Two birds, one stone. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought someone was taking the piss, but, um, yeah, I won it. I was, but, uh, pretty happy about that actually. I bet. So yeah, definitely cannot complain with the free rifle. <laughs> so, um, I use that one quite a bit as you can imagine. Um, and for what it is, it's a great rifle.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it's accurate, it's nice and lightweight. Uh, so, I've got a few lever actions too the old Marlin uh, 4570 and 3030. Very nice. Uh, nice rifles, a bit on the heavy side. I put a um, scout scope on the 3030, which is good. But um, yeah, between that, a few 22s, they're not like cheap blinkers.
0: Yeah, nice. Very nice. Very
1: nice. It's good. I'm um, in the process. I've got, I've got a category A permit to acquire sitting there. And it's a coin flip away from an air rifle or a side-by-side shotgun. <laughs> I, I can't decide. So, if anyone's got any opinions, <laughs> flick me a message. Let me know. Definitely. Yeah, I've thought about those 30 cow. Like, I've
0: some, sometimes go down rabbit holes watching people hunting with the higher calibre air rifles. Where you know, in Africa they're hunting with the 30 cows, and America, you know, they got like the 40 cows and the 50 cows. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah. I didn't realise a 50 cal air rifle was a thing until recently. I can't imagine the trajectory of that thing. It'd be like a rock, wouldn't it? (laughs) Just a very far.
0: (laughs) So what type of hunting do you do? Are you like just going out for a morning, for a day, for a couple of
1: days? Um, So for a long time, it was just that single day or a multi-day hunt based around homes, around the Newcastle area um, up until basically April this year. So I won... The ballot hunt. Do you know about that yep. in New South Wales? Yep. So I won that pre-COVID, uh, twenty eighteen, whatever it was. Um, Might have been for the start of twenty nineteen. Um, so we had bushfires hit us that year. Yeah. Closed down all the forests. Um, pushed back. We had COVID. I think it got pushed back and cancelled the second time because of COVID, from memory. God damn. And um, yeah, the start of this year, they're like, hey, um, the ballot's still on. Some of you are going to retain your tags. But half of you will get redrawn out, and you may get your spot back. Yeah, wow. Well. And I was, I was fuming, as you can imagine. I um, Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. Um, thankfully, obviously, my name got pulled out, and I got a spot. But, um, yeah, that was excellent. So that was down at um, Menace State Forest uh, near Tumut. Yep. Beautiful, beautiful part of the world. Um, if you haven't been there, highly recommend it. Just nice uh, mountain country, beautiful freshwater stream flows through there, awesome camping spots. So for the people um,
0: that don't know what the ballot is, you want to just go into that? Because I'm very familiar with the hog deer ballot down in Victoria,
1: not so much. Yeah. So every year, New South Wales are licensed um, license holders, uh, can apply for a free spot on the ballot. So basically, there are three primary state forests in New South Wales. Could be four. I get the numbers confused. Um, how it works out. But um, highly productive state forests. And to make it even or fair to people to access them. They don't rely on a usual booking system online to um, to allocate spots. So obviously people can sneak in there early, you know, wipe out a whole block. What they do is they allocate four-day sections um, for this hunt. Um, and basically you apply for it. So it's around the November of every year. They put it up for grabs. Um, you can put in a, a two-day time preference. Um, so the forest, I think uh, a or one of the miragols, there's many, um, menace, which is the regular um, hunting, there's also Menace bow hunting area and possibly a second part of Miragol either way, um, so that gets drawn February each year um, if you win, you get a four day hunt, you can select yes or no, you can't change your dates, none of that's transferable um, yeah, you get a shot at the rut, that's cool. prime hunting opportunity great forest, um, highly recommend if you have a chance.
0: So what, um, what species are you run into in those forests, does it change or is it very similar across the Three
1: or four? So I've only been to the Menace. Um, highly productive, as I said. So driving in there, I saw four foxes and a couple of rabbits. So straight out the gate, you get excited. You know what I mean? Driving in the car, I'm like, got you tomorrow. <laughs> um, same deer, plenty of same idea. Yeah, cool. Um, as for the other species, I did see a large fallow. Um, probably wouldn't break any records, but for me, it took me a second to be like, holy crap. For me, this thing was huge. Um, And I didn't take a shot at him. It was a bit outside my comfortable shooting range. Um, And as much as I kicked myself after, I just didn't trust myself at the distance. Um, But I bagged a nice um, standby stag, which was cool. Awesome. Um, I walked away from a female stag, simply for the fact that I had two very, very small eskies. Um, And I know one of your questions would be, what what do you bring or what should you bring? Bigger esky. Giant esky. Because... I'm a big fan of use what you take. You know, I'm not going to shoot a deer on a lot yeah. Especially female deer. It's pointless. Um, unless you are controlling numbers on a, a private block or something like that. You know, I understand that. But, um, yeah, I, I couldn't justify taking the, the second one. But um, for me, coming from forest in Newcastle, which some people say they're hunted out. Some people say there are obviously animals there. Um, it was just awesome to see so much activity in a forest. You know what I mean? Then Definitely. Yeah, it sort of reinforces that you walk through some of the the high pressure hunting pressured forests, and you sort of question your ability to hunt. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> is it me? Is it the animals? Is it bad timing? Yeah, it's sort of it's not that nice warm fuzzy feeling to know that you know I can find deer and I can sneak up on <laughs> them. <laughs> so,
0: what type of you what type of backpack you're running? How many liters when you're going out on a day hunt type type thing?
1: Uh, yep. So. It's an Eberl Strock or Stock backpack. Um, they sponsor Rocky Mountain Elk um, Federation, Foundation, whatever yeah. it is in America. Um, so I bought that secondhand. I think it was just a Facebook marketplace find. A um, few hundred bucks. Um, Eberl score, massive score. Um, obviously being well used. Um, bit, bit, bit pungent smell, so I had to clean that out. And <laughs> let it air for a little bit. But um, yeah, it's good. Just had, um, the waist strap on them you know, just to get all the weight off your shoulders and yeah. sort of even it out. It's great. So what, um, also, how many liters is that? Fair size. It'd be, it'd be over 40. Yep. Nice. So 40, 50, something like that. Um, something my mate did teach me is just, it depends if you're camping away from your car and all that, travel light. you know, advice for new, new hunters and stuff like that is basically, um, don't carry everything in the kitchen sink. You may not need it. You learn very quickly what you do and don't need or will or will use. Um yeah, travel a bit lighter in that sense.
0: I'm a a I'm a sucker for carrying way too much stuff, but you know, I'll I'll take some comforts out with me. I got a seventy-five litre pack, um, plus ten, so it's a eighty-five litre pack. Um, but you know, I I carry the jet boil, I carry seasoning, oil, coffee, noodles, you know.
1: <laughs> that, that was me um when I first started and again not having any productivity in those forests sort of breaks you a little bit. Um, and Newcastle's really, really steep too, you know, to, to make excuses for my yeah. failure. <laughs> the heat, the steep forest. Um, it's a good time cause it's always a good time, right? You get out of the house, you disconnect from your 100%. phone in life and all the bullshit. But, um, yeah, I, I strip it down a little bit. That, oh, don't get me wrong, all that crap's in my car. I just walk back to <laughs> the car.
0: Um, what about love like, binos and bino harness you're running?
1: Yeah, so definitely that is a must-have. Um just to spot animals, I used to go out with my little rangefinder, so I've got one of them too. It's a RX six fifty Leopold. Nice. Um yeah, six times zoom or something like that. It's good for what it is, works really, really well, but they are no substitute for a set of binoculars. Definitely not. Yeah, so I've got um ten by forty two Vortex.
0: Yep. The not with the price of the it's or cross. Crossfires, Diamondbacks, um,
1: around that eight hundred to a thousand mark. So they're sort of mid okay, so, range.
0: Yeah, I think they're cross. the next one up for the Vortex. Um, I can't remember what they are, but yeah, Vortex seem to be a very common answer when, when asked that question. So they are very, very good binocular and very well priced for what they are. So
1: yeah, well, it's hard to go past the warranty. Yeah, you know when you see guys that run over them with a truck, or I think someone shot them once or yeah. something. If you can provide them like the carcass, what's remaining of that scope or that the binos apparently they'll replace it yeah look I, that's amazing <laughs> i've seen <laughs> For someone who's really rough on gear that's amazing
0: and because even at second hand gear like if you sell something that warranty goes over i seen someone the other day find an like a 50 year old pair of vor, uh, vortex at the bottom of the river and he's wow. like oh i'm just gonna send send them in <laughs> got a brand new pair
1: Year just that is awesome.
0: It's 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 nuts. As
1: far as other gear, um I know you asked the question, so before I forget, you know, what should you always take, or you know, what would you not go without or something like that? Gloves. So rolling into Meta State for us for that hunt in April. Um, it was night time. You know, I spoke to a bloke driving out, it was his last day of the hunt. He just bagged a deer, you know, shortly beforehand he gave me some pointers but um wake up in the morning it looked like beautiful grassy you know slopey land like, excellent you know i have all the visibility in the world unbeknownst to me till i started walking through it it was chest height um it was lantana blackberries and thistles so great gloves. combination <laughs> yeah it, that wasn't great especially trying to carry the deer out at the end of it and you got it all through your hands and stuff like that take a nice pair of gloves what Highly about, recommend it. What about camo? What are you running camo-wise? Yeah, so I still rock around in the cam on occasions. Um, I'm a bit of a tight-ass. <laughs> <laughs> and again, hard on gear. So. Um, but I, I bought some Hunter's Element uh, Veil camo, something to that effect. The, I think it's like a soft shell sort of thing. Um, I think it did sustain some cuts from the thistles and stuff like that, given... I did go back and read the description afterwards because I'm worried about warranty, and they do say we're a protective layer over top. Yep. So I thought, wait, yeah, could not argue whatsoever. They have good um, good pants,
0: good patterns for sure. Um, yeah, a lot of my mates are running hunters element. That's that's it's it's all great gear these days, pretty much anyway. And you know, they all all of those companies have camo at a budget for everyone. So whether you want the top range stuff or the bottom range stuff, you know. Even those little box packs that Hunter, Hunter's Element, Hunter, um, Huntech do, you know,
1: they're just Stony yeah. Creek do them as well. Yeah, Gabbridge okay. Line, I think, is another one yep, too.
0: yep, definitely, definitely. So it's it's all good stuff there. Mm-hmm. So what about
1: boots? Boots. Um, I had a pair of, I want to say Scarpa GTX. Yep. So I think they're like a knockoff lower GTX. Yep. You yeah, everyone raves about lower. Yep. Um, I bought it from like Macpac pack or uh, anaconda or it was one of those places um got it on a pretty decent sale so i think it was you know 100 bucks off or something yeah, cool. like that but um can't fault it uh, you know obviously boots once you wear them in um that's probably the biggest issue so sort of persevering through the, the blisters and the the rubbing and all that sort yeah. of stuff but um they are awesome lightweight i originally went out with steel cap boots that wasn't a good time.
0: Yeah, it's not fun. I um, forgot a pair of hiking boots on a um, hunt once. It was a week-long trip and didn't realise until we're halfway to where we're going, like eight-hour drive and we're four hours in. So we pulled into a local hardware store and I just grabbed a pair of st- <laughs> steel caps and hunted in them the whole time.
1: It was terrible. It's funny. You don't think that with a little bit extra weight on your feet, you know, for the sake of, what is it, half kilo or whatever it is, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. To your legs, to your to your knees, to your back, everything. Oh, and it's it just, just takes you
0: because your feet are somewhat moving while you're going up hills and walking around. So hitting those still caps constantly as you're going up or downhill, it just destroys your toes. Yeah, yeah. So what about your top beginner tip to so someone getting into hunting? What is your go to top beginner tip?
1: Well probably one of the first things I'd say, um, don't believe everything you, you read on social media. Yeah, first and foremost. That's that's great. So again, doing the R license training, you can um after you complete a hunt, you've got to submit a harvest return. So it's just like a, a sort of little checklist to say, you know, you put in numbers how many animals you saw of a certain species, how many you took, yeah, how many days you hunted. That's um, cool. Different stuff like that. And that goes into a sheet. Um, I can't remember the name of it. But basically, it's just like a species report. Every quarter, so every three months, uh, you can check that out on the DPI's website. So you can sort of gauge which um, forest are productive, which ones aren't. Um, That's awesome. I sort of take any free information with a sort of pinch of salt. Uh, because sometimes I think people are just taking the piss. They're trying to scare people away from the honey holes, so they'll put no recordings there. And, yeah. you know, other ones are all ticked. And you sort of question if all those animals are there. So. That Facebook as well. Um, don't just take a single person's sort of um, opinion on the matter. Try to get consensus. That's or a rough consensus. Great. Yeah, you know
0: what I mean, no, that's that's great. Yeah, the uh, the New South Wales system for our licenses is uh, is quite strange. You know, everything I know about it would be from the Hunters Campfires podcast mm-hmm. with Mark and Ian. Um, yeah, and yeah. they actually do some great breakdowns on hunting, like the particular forests that that they hunt. So rather than keeping it to themselves, they say, "This is this is like you have to scroll right down to some of their first podcasts, but this is where we go. This is how we hunt it. This is what you're going to expect. This is what time of day to go to certain spots and find certain bits and pieces. Like it's really really informative, which is which is insane for hunters in general to tell you their spot and how to hunt it and what game you're going to face and yeah. what to
1: expect well, now's you know I've read a few bits of pieces over the past you know Eater, for instance talking yeah. about the good old days of hunting and some of the consensus seems to be that now's the good, good old days of hunting because when you think about your level of access to information right so you've got guys like yourself throwing out a podcast informative everything's at your fingertips you know you don't need to run into a cocky at the pub who just happens to tell you where he saw a deer yeah, last exactly. week you know what I mean and, there's so much information. You have got guys like um, Profty from uh, Aussie Bush Harvest. Yeah. Um, you know, like we do a little bit of content, um, more to around the firearms cleaning. You know, bits and pieces like that. There's so much information out there. Um, just take your time to do the research. Yeah, definitely. Um, you can do. You can learn a lot from sitting at home in front of a computer. Yeah, that is it's not the be all and end all, and don't expect someone to, to spoon feed the information. Is a big one because you'll hear about it on social media. You get a lot of strong opinions uh, that aren't very supportive of that approach. But um, that's just social media in all aspects, though,
0: unfortunately. But
1: you know,
0: yeah. But some people do just ask the stupidest questions. If you don't know about yeah. the search bar in a group, look for the search bar, and whatever you're going to ask first search it, and then go through those related posts. And if it still hasn't answered it for you, then ask it. That's probably my biggest tip for finding out stuff on the Facebook groups.
1: And as an extension of that, learn how to save posts and put them in different folders. Yeah. Because you will retain so much information. All the good old screenshot, but I'm terrible at organizing my phone little screenshots. (laughs) So
0: That's me, man. I'll be like, oh, I screenshotted something six months ago. Hang on. I need to go six months ago. Okay that's around it. Uh, uh, oh, oh
1: no, nah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. You stumble back across it and you're like, what was the context? Like, why, why did I screenshot this? It does sense." Yeah. make sense. Oh, it happens yeah. all the time.
0: Um, what would your top five items be for a beginner getting into hunting? Whether it's def- rifle or bow hunting, either or.
1: I definitely say, look, I, I do understand that buy one's cry one sort of thing in terms of buying quality. You know, I wouldn't, Suggest that you go and buy the cheapest gear you can get. There are some uh, good deals to be had um, online, obviously. Different websites, not necessarily my own. Um, Bows, I'd be careful about. As you know, secondhand bows can be hit and miss, especially if they've got any cracks or damage to the limbs, um, if they're being derailed or anything like that. Top five gear. Um, Good boots. I mean, that's pretty common. I'm sure everyone says that. Um, good optics, so whatever that is to you, whether it's binos, um, um spotting scope, otherwise. Yeah. Um, just trying to think. Yes, I've got me stumped. I haven't really thought too far ahead <laughs> for that one. Uh, good knives would be a, another one. What, good what sharp, knives do you run?
0: Ooh. Any brands in particular you run, any type, <laughs> styles? Are they fixed blades? Nah. Are they disposable so blades?
1: I- I want to get a Havilon uh, disposable blade yep. knife. I've got a mate who swears by it. Um, he's a pretty productive guy when it comes to hunting as yep. su- uh, success. So I've got um, the so-
0: I've got the um uh, the not not the garment. Why am I thinking garment? What's the What's the company that Gerber, the Gerber equivalent of the Havilon, and that's that's great. You can get them at Anaconda and stuff. So if you if the Havilon's mm-hmm. out of your budget, have a look at the um.
1: The Gerber, for sure. I'll have to check that out, actually. Um, for small game, I'll give some advice on that. So, I didn't touch on before about my small game hunting and sort of how we got to that. We got a bit off track. Yeah, no, nah, all cool. Um, buy a Opinel, O-P-I-N-E-L,
2: yeah.
1: uh, number eight knife. Costs like 20, 25 bucks. I process more rabbits to that body thing than I can count. Um, razor sharp, especially the carbon ones, um, after you clean it, Because it's carbon, it will rust, so make sure you oil it or clean it and oil it. Those things are amazing. Just raise it sharp.
0: Yeah, they're a mushroom mushroom hunters and foragers' best friend they are. If you're on any of the foraging pages, every man
1: and his dog have them. (laughs) Well, that's where I stumbled across them in the first place. Just Google knife brands and stuff like that. It was like a a mushroom pickers from England or something like that. I was like, "What the hell is this? Like a French knife?" And then, yeah, <laughs> sure enough, awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. I um actually used to sell them at one of the camping stores that I that I went to. I regret not buying a few when I was working there at
1: staff price. <laughs> yeah, bet. Um, probably I would go a safety route. Um, an EPB. Yeah, be a good one.
0: you um apart from me, you're the first person on this podcast that has gone down that route, which is is quite good.
1: I've, oh, I'm qualified in safety stuff too. I had a consulting business at one point, um, which COVID sort of knocked on the head, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, so I su- sort of do dabble in the, the safety aspects. Um, I've had some pretty dicey experiences too, in terms of um, you know running across brown snakes and stuff like that as well. So some of those things, it's just dumb luck. You know, you don't step on them or step across them. Yep, been so, there. <laughs> yeah, just for safety. Look, um, okay, even sort of recently, um, we helped out. I would have been a couple of months ago for a couple of dogs that got lost in the bush, but in that same region, people had been lost down the central coast. So it's just one of those things. If you're going out hiking, you're not sure of the area, just take it. It 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 costs – what does it cost, actually? They're not too expensive. They're
0: a couple of hundred bucks, um, and then you just have to keep renewing them online, re-registering them every three or four years, something like that.
1: Yeah, something like that. There's a good place in Bullard Dealer, New South Wales, that sells them. Uh, sort of local to me, but they post them around the, the country. You can hire them too. Yeah. So if you're going away out west for a week, you know what I mean? You can hire for a week. Do it cheap.
0: And if you do have an EPIRB and you dispose of it, take it to a cop shop. Do not just throw it in the trash because if that gets set off and you have emergency crews looking for you at a dump or, you know, if a seagull pulls the tab or whatever, a rat, and that goes off, you're footed with a bill for not disposing it properly, so just keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, it's actually a really good point. Um, I've heard a few stories about that, and it's it's not good. Obviously, a waste of uh, emergency resources and everything else, and quite a bit of concern about the person involved. So. Exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah, I've, I've heard some story, <laughs> some stories, and yeah, it was drummed into us when selling them at BCF. Um, yeah, to
1: <laughs> tell people. So, so on the safety aspect, I'd say depending on where you go, take a off-road capable vehicle with a winch. Yeah. So I got stuck a couple of years ago, uh, bashing through one of my local forests, just open up to bow hunting. And we um, were just out in the day. I don't think I even had a bow in the car. Um, and I went through this dry mud puddle and just bogged the whole thing, all the way up <laughs> to the seals. Not a great experience. I didn't pre-test whether the winch worked, so that was a gamble. Thankfully it did. Um, yeah, definitely take a winch if you can. Yeah, and, and plenty your trip too. Yeah, you know, tell people where you're going. Yeah, I, if I'm in a local forest with a, um, I've got Google Maps at reception, I'll just drop a pin where I am, send it to my um, flatmate. You know, what I mean, at least she knows where I am at all times. You yeah. know, if I get lost, phone runs out of battery, bit by a snake, there's some sort of backup there. You know what I mean?
0: And just on the bog stuff, um, there's some great Facebook pages and groups on on Facebook, obviously um, that uh all about, you know, you get get in the shit and you can't get out, post your location, you know. There's not many places where you can't get some type of reception if you, you know, stand on top of the car, climb a tree, something like that. And but um yeah, there's all these people that go out there and pull people out, you know, whether it's a carnivore or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But it's yeah. It. it's a small price to pay to uh to get rescued, isn't it? Definitely. On the um safe, safety side of things, first aid kits. What, what type of stuff yep. you take so, out with you?
1: That's a good question. Actually, I just bought some gear for a first aid kit a few days ago. Um, so I had it previously. I started out, again, cheap entry-level way, um, snake bandages. Obviously, know how to use them as well. I believe you can get ones that have got like a rectangle on there. And as you pull on it, it changes the shape to a square. and That's how you know you've got the right um, compression okay, on cool. your wound. So um, you're not over-tightening. You're going to lose circulation and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so you obviously do a first-aid course too, so you know what's going on, how to use it. Um, so I started off with that, um, I sort of custom made it, so it was a lot of stuff like um, uh, allergy, like hay fever tablets, because I know me, especially this time of the year in spring, your waddles out there, my nose runs like a tap. You don't want that to happen. You know, coughing and sneezing, everything here from a mile away, scare yeah. everything away. My wife and stepson are dying
0: at the moment every time they go outside. <laughs> it's just instant oh, it's allergies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there's that. Um, obviously, your band-aids, bandages, that sort of gear. Um, Hydrolite is a good one, actually. Definitely. That is definitely something i throw in the backpack. Cool. Um, I did a hike with a mate uh, a couple of years ago to Barrington Tops, mm-hmm. I knew it was a long hike. I didn't know it was 22 and a half Ks over two days. <laughs> um, and I believe, don't quote me on this, I believe the first two kilometers were 500 meters elevation. Or well, something to that effect. Maybe the first five kilometers were yeah. 500 meters elevation. Corker Trail, if anyone knows it. Um, yeah, so at the end of that, water doesn't cut it. You yeah. need a bit of, uh, what do they call it? Um, the salts and sugars and. The glucose and, and stuff like
0: that, yeah. Um, even yeah, just a bag of awesome. lolly beans, uh, lolly beans, jelly beans or lollies or something just in the bottom helps, a bit of sugar.
1: Um, yeah, but well that's something I learned on that trip was um, the power of food, you know, to boost your morale. So if you're having a shit time out hunting, you know, take a little bar of chocolate, take some muesli bars that have got that stuff in there. Yeah, 100%. You might be, yeah, sitting in the rain miserable, but that'll per- perk you up. You know, take a jet boil on coffee, oh. Whatever. You know, Coffee saves the day, day. so <laughs> many
0: time. Even noodles, man. Like I'll, I'll take yeah. my little spice mix out and some noodles and sit there just on a cold, rainy day, sitting under a tree eating noodles. It's a, definitely a bigger big morale booster. And c- sometimes yeah. just sitting there, because in Australia we walk around so much hunting, we're not waiting off a game trail like America. Sometimes yeah, just that s- sitting there while you're eating something crosses you. The amount of times I'd be having noodles and then some goats or a deer or something walk past and put down my cup of noodles, draw back the bow, take a shot, finish my noodles.
1: <laughs> Cheering.
0: But yeah, um, zombie apocalypse weapon. I know you're looking forward to this question.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking about the other day, what I'd say, and I was sort of torn between two and I think I made a decision. So it was torn between a, like a pipe tomahawk, like the American Indians, yeah, something lightweight, quick, or a, I won't get the word right, a short sword, like the Wakazashi, I think it is, Japanese okay, yeah. samurai sword, the little ones, because you've got to consider your environment, right? Like, you're not walking across a beautiful open field with a, a spear or something like that. You're probably going to be in a city. Yeah. So you need something you know, nimble, climbing upstairs. So, yeah, probably a short sword.
0: Very nice, very nice. What about the Tomahawk? You've seen the new um, uh, Predator movie, where it's the uh, Native Americans? You've seen that one? i seen the preview Oh, it's it's, um, it's a killer movie, but she's uh, got a tomahawk tied to a string and she's like throwing it into the tree, pulling it out. Like, it's not practical, it's like but it, it full looks fucking good. Got cool. a four style. I, I, I don't play games, so. <laughs> ah, right.
1: <laughs> so I heard the Dragon Ball Z reference before, so I wasn't sure.
0: Yeah, no, no. Dragon Ball Z references and Pokemon references, but uh, yeah. <laughs> That's as far as it goes. Um, what have you forgotten on the hunting
1: trip gloves <laughs> <As> I said, <laughs> I, i've i forgotten so many silly things so again what i was saying before my early experiences when i started getting the hunting you know it wasn't deer it was like rabbits parents have got six acres just um south of port macquarie so it was um forever chasing them um with the bow first and foremost um and i wasn't the best shot obviously my stalking skills were uh left a bit to be desired so um that escalated, obviously, to the rifle and a bit of trapping stuff as a sort of moved with it. But one thing I forgot was the magazine. Go to hunt. Always forgot the bolt. I used to take it out religiously, the bolts. I was led to believe you had to in New South Wales. Turns out that's incorrect. Um, but the magazine was always out of the rifle. It's always empty anyway. <laughs> yeah. But you get there and you're you single shooting with a rifle that's got a hole in the guts because the box magazine – and, you know, 50% of the times you go put the board in there and it falls out the bottom. I've been there, man. <laughs> I've been
0: there. And, yeah, yeah, touching on the don't always believe something you read on Facebook is the, you know, the whole bolt bolt thing because some states are, you know, my state you don't have to. Like you can yeah. leave the bolt in and then some states, yeah. yeah. We've we've gone down these rabbit holes before uh, on the podcast where, you know, every state's different. So just make sure you don't go to Facebook for your advice. Go check the actual firearms legislations.
1: So on that too, obviously, you can learn a lot from YouTube and that. Um, hunter education courses and that are, are pretty awesome. Um, people like myself don't have to go to me specifically. Um, consentry New South Wales course. Um, you can do the online course. There's a lot you can learn. Uh, but state-by-state differences. So caliber, I believe there's caliber differences for what you can target for um, different deer, say between New South Wales and Victoria, so always check those things and your transportation requirements.
0: From my understanding, New South Wales is just recommendations, isn't it? Mostly, uh, they say
1: recommendations, but uh, I wouldn't push it. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, just my
0: opinion. I do like to get a firearms license. I wouldn't risk it. And then um, Victoria, it is it is law for those for those species. Where South Australia, we've got no none. I think there's yeah. I think. ADA might have recommendations, but other than that, there's nothing nothing written in law. So, yeah,
1: it's, it's probably pretty likely they. From what little I know about ADA, they seem pretty thorough. Yeah. So.
0: But yeah, that's something to check out. Make sure that uh, the calibers you you using are recommended. You know, but yeah, yeah. you know, headshot with most things will drop most most things if you're a good shot and you've got a somewhat of a high powered rifle. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's the most important item you
1: take out with you hunting um i could say say i don't know if it'd be a bit of a (laughs) how well received it would be honestly it's just the information i've i've taken there's not really an item itself it's it's the research i put into it it's the experiences i've had in the past all that goes into it um that's far more important than any item I can bring. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not going to get too far if I leave the rifle at home, but uh, <laughs> <clears throat> and a lot of common sense too. You know, again, from that safety aspect, we've had a, a, quite a few instances. I mean, I believe Victoria's had a few, New South Wales has had a few too, where there's been, you talk about negligence discharges or accidental discharges, is yeah. it commonly known? Um, it's just that common sense and the safety sort of things. So, you know, the safety is not just the don't put your gun someone. It's if you're driving a car, eight hours, take a rest break. You know, yeah. go get fuel, get a coffee, just relax. No, it, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be in any hurry to get there. If it is, it's because you've you poorly planned the situation. <laughs> so, um, Been in both yeah.
0: of those situations, so I I, I can't comment there. <laughs> yeah,
1: take it with you. Um, yeah, that's honestly just that, just research and experiences and, and that knowledge.
0: No, that's that's a really good answer. Um, what about the most sketchy, dangerous thing that's happened to you out on a hunt?
1: Oh, it's been a few of them, um, which is good. I'm just somewhat accident prone. Again, very heavy headed, so I tend to break <laughs> things. But um, I'll say two sketchiest things I've had. One was the brown snake, so heat and state forest down the road from me, climbing through the mountains. Um, it's sort of like steep drop off, like. I don't know if they're granite. I'm not really a geologist, but, um, yeah, steep sort of rock walls near the top of this hill. i sort of roaming through there. It didn't even click with me, snakes, you know what I mean? And it should have. And, um, yeah, what do you know? Straight across my path, just a little brown snake sunbathing it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> um, not a fan of snakes then
0: or yard. just the surprise? If I I can see them.
1: Yeah, just the surprise. <laughs> um, honestly, just the surprise. <laughs> it was not not great. Um, the other one was one of my early hunts after I got my firearms license. I had the 30-30 with me. Um, so with that, and obviously, safety is up to people's perception, what they believe is true. You know, some people you say use cross safety sufficient. In a lever action, I don't trust them. Uh, that's my personal preference. I was always told to half-cock with the safety through and obviously finger off a, tr- a trigger. Um, so I was walking through the bush, pretty steep mountains at, uh, I think it's Piccolbin, And, um, anyway, I lost my footing, slipped down the hill and next thing I know, the rifle's pointing sort of at my, um, my calf muscle. And, um, I was lucky cause my finger was near the trigger, wasn't on it cause I grabbed the rifle, essentially I was going to drop it and, um, you know, it could have been far worse if I didn't have all the safeties in place and a bit of dumb luck too.
0: It happens, man. It happens. You see it. See it um, all the time, especially America, just because the firearm usage is so much. You see all these, all these um accidents happen where someone someone ends up shot, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it's it's good to have those measures in, you know, especially. Bulk. So that,
1: yeah, so that's another point about safety as well. Crossing fences, obviously, not into people's private property unless you got permission. Yeah, but if you come between paddocks, um, make sure your firearms unloaded. You know on the ground pull it away from you yeah um i I believe there was an incident in the hunter valley years ago i don't want to talk out of turn i don't know too much about it but i believe it was a shotgun rested upright against either the post or the wire old mates obviously uh moved the wire going through it and it's discharged and i believe it was a fatality yeah wow so (laughs) situations like that just if you can leave it empty or um yeah do everything you can to mitigate that uh risk.
0: Yeah, Meat Eater had a um, good story on their latest audio book and they just played it on the back of one of their episodes the other day about a guy out duck hunting. His mates didn't show up and so he's like, alright, they're not coming. So he's jumped in the boat, put the shotgun and he's like kicked off and as he's kicked off the shotguns fell and shot himself in the knee with his (sighs) shotgun and he had a he almost died and come. So yeah, go back to that media episode or go get their audio book and listen to those stories. Cause the stories they tell on them are freaking insane.
1: Yeah. i got to catch up on their podcast. Actually, I'll sort of let it slip a little bit. Oh, a bit cause,
0: Cause I drive constantly driving a truck, delivering plasterboard. I just podcast yeah. all day.
1: <laughs> yeah. Some great content on there. Oh, they, they really is worthwhile.
0: They do. And you learn so much as well. And they go into so much at the, all the issues and topics that, you know, m- myself I like to hear and myself as having a podcast, I like to ask. So it's good to hear all those different perspectives from hunters from around the world, that's for sure.
1: Well, if, especially for a goal for myself, you know, if fishing Game could turn into something, ideally even without the money side of things and um, the branding and support and stuff like that too, that's success. Yeah. To have that level of information, um, you know, from a collective of people to be able to give to new hunters, to existing hunters, you know what I mean? Whether it's conservation to change opinions, how-tos, whether it's a video about rifles or scouting, for instance, you know, to have that in an Australian version would be amazing. Yeah, exactly.
0: So what's the funniest thing that's happened to you while you've been out hunting or fishing?
1: Funniest thing? Um, I've had, like, a lot of comedy errors. Um, there's one that I actually wrote a bit of post about it and whether it came across as funny as what it was It was just the prawning of a channel by myself. So, you know Cause to the hunting and It was just everything would go wrong. So, you know rods almost falling in grabbing them and the torch almost goes in it's just that continual cycle of <laughs> Everything that can go wrong did and you get really frustrated. too. you know what I mean? You get the shits. So I'm sure everyone was watching me he was just pissing himself laughing <laughs> got back to the boat ramp and I, I used my winch to um, winch the boat on top of the roof. You know, the one time the boat slides off sideways and jumps in the water and you, you bail the water out of it. Oh, no. What the hell? You know? So that 100% hands down would be that time. It's funny now that it's happened. You know, I've been through the other side of it, but ask me at the time, you're very different, <laughs> uh, different answer.
0: Just some uh, Mr Bean, Bean music playing in the background. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> So, top five dream animals anywhere in the world, any, like, unlimited funds, what would you go chase?
1: You know what I'd love to do, and i probably die doing it? Um, I was watching on a Facebook post a couple of years ago, just stumbled across it, and there was a dude that was delivering, there's a little French island, apparently, off the coast of Australia. So, yeah. Western Australia, but further into, that's the Indian Ocean, I believe, um, sort of south, uh, Southwest from there. There was big it was either caribou or reindeer on there. Oh, but they're wow. not like the normal ones you see, which are pretty large, obviously, as you can imagine. Monsters. Absolute monsters. I'd love to do that, but I believe those ports are only open for a few days here and there per year. So okay, to get yeah, picked cool. up, like it would be a massive logistical nightmare.
0: That but, I'm gonna have to research. I find some interesting shit doing it. I like I I found out we had squirrels in Australia doing this. Like what? Yeah, serious? Yeah. So apparently, there's like a small population in Western Australia of like these feral African squirrels, and there used to be some wow. down in Melbourne, and yeah, crazy. I was <laughs> not aware of that. No, nah, neither. Oh, because it's squirrels are something I've always wanted to go hunt. So <laughs> yeah. So there's number one caribou. Uh, I'm gonna have to research that. That's that sounds badass.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very very cool. I can't remember the name of the island, but if I stumble across it. Um, yeah, I'll flick you a message anyway.
0: I uh, know what I'll be
1: doing when I go to bed. I'll, I'll be looking for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it'll be there somewhere. Um, so that'll be number one. <sighs> There's a lot of good hunts out there. Look, I'm, we could go down the rabbit hole of talking about you know, African big game stuff um, because that's obviously an area that a lot of people don't understand in terms of the food going back to a lot of the tribes, the money you know, for water yeah. infrastructure and stuff like that. That stuff doesn't necessarily interest me too much. The the big crocodiles there, I think it was, um, should, I can't think of the guy's name. Jim Shocky. Jim Shockey, yeah. Giant crocodiles.
0: Yeah. Nile, Nile crocs. They yeah. te- feed on villages. You can get the permits to go hunt them to help yeah, out the villages. That was intense. Yeah. They're... That was a really intense episode. Oh, man, Jim Shocky's stuff is just amazing. It's incredible. He um, has an interesting way of going about stuff.
1: Yeah, he had a really cool video, really informative about um, whales in um, Alaska. I believe it was, too. Yeah, it's worth watching.
0: Yeah, that Um, whole family is just incredible. Just before we jumped online, I was reading Eva's post about the... I I think it might have been a mule deer that she just took took today.
1: So, (laughs) incredible hunting family. That's awesome. So, put crocodile is probably number two. Um, Beyond that, I think... I put this five, so we'll skip ahead a little bit, and I'll go um, iguanas. Yeah, like Miami and those places. Apparently, they're nuts. I was watching that guy. What do they call him? A snake catcher, or the something like that? Yeah, no, I'm not sure that one.
0: But I, um, I, I, me and my boys sit down. Like that's one of our goal family trips is heading over to, over to like Florida and go shoot shoot iguanas with air rifles and blow pipes and the yeah, bows yeah. and stuff.
1: Yeah, they've got, like, massive pythons there. It'd be a really cool, like, environment to go check out. So I'll stick that at five. and We'll go, what, three and four. Look, I probably have to stick whitetail in there just for that whole, you know, to get into the American culture side of things of hunting. They are cool. Because that's something I love, you know. We've got a very different culture here with hunting in Australia compared to America.
0: So is it... And I love... American whitetail you'd want to go for because there's a couple of small populations outside of America. So there's a population in New Zealand and then I believe Denmark might have a population of whitetail as well.
1: Yeah. I'd probably do the American thing for the experience. Yeah. But having said that, being realistic, the only I'd, I'd likely get more – if I can get the words out – I would be more likely to get the opportunity to go to New Zealand. Yeah, I've seen that they've got um, they've got all sorts of deer down there, don't they?
0: Yeah, they've got about um, seven species. So they have white tail, um, wapiti, elk. Yeah, um, that's um, the one I was thinking, Yeah, red deer. They've got samba, roosa, seca, fallow, red.
1: So yeah, about seven, seven or eight species. Yeah, I definitely love the elk. Although I can't pronounce it, it's happy or Whoppity. Yeah, the, so that's that just one. the
0: it's it's something that frustrates me a lot. It's the Native American word for elk, um, ah, okay. but everyone in Australia refers to Whoppity as like an elk red deer hybrid. So whenever ah, you hear okay. Whoppity in South Australia or in Australia, sorry, or New Zealand, that's normally what people were referring to, but. It's, if
1: you hear elk, they're meaning elk, Uh, whoppity, they're meaning elk, so. (laughs) Yeah, a big elk would be another one, Um, with a close six being hog deer down in Victoria. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah,
0: hog deer. i I got my, i got my band, uh, my little patches here somewhere. I've got about four or five of them
1: now. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot to apply for it this year. Completely missed it. Had it screenshotted, as I said, and then went by the wayside and... Has it closed just yet? Forgot. I don't think. it's... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't... thought it had, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we have jump on it it? today. I think it's late October it closes. Oh well, I have to check that out. <laughs> I hope not it. Yeah, i really excited. The, the thing uh, is, I've
0: I've got my mind for next year, but next year I'm going to New Zealand for my thirtieth. So <laughs> I oh, hope wow. I hope I don't get the hog the hog deer when I. I'm planning to go chase Tar and Shammy because that that would be a very very tough decision.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, they were the other ones I was going to say as well. Yeah. That would be an absolutely amazing experience. I was watching Meat Eater years ago, when yeah. it was uh um, Rinella and uh Remy. Yeah, I think were there.
0: Where he goes crosses yeah. the river. <laughs> yeah, it's dicey. ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude it's yeah, very dicey, especially from someone with a safety background such as yourself. It's not something I'd 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 put myself in. Let alone
1: uh, <laughs> um, safety people tend to be the loosest people out there, so that's what the the concern is. I don't we know no better. We just don't. don't I,
0: I, I, I don't know. My wife's a health and safety manager, so ah, okay. <laughs> she's she's definitely not not reckless in any sense of the word. <laughs>
1: there you go. Well, I might be the exception to the rule.
0: <laughs> so, what's your favourite thing to cook with hunted or um, caught meat or food?
1: I have a soft spot for seafood, sort of growing up around it. You know, I have a lot of family that were uh, commercial fishermen too. Yeah. So, probably prawns. Yeah, cool. Sort of the fond memories of that too is, you know, as a kid, um, spent time at my uncle's place um, and they go prawning at rivers commercially so spending a lot of time there in the boat, you know, doing that sort of stuff. Um, I was never really fussed on seafood as a kid, but as I've gotten older, I've, especially catching it yourself, you've got that satisfaction yeah. too. Um, yeah, I just love going out prawning. Yeah. Um, I Something haven't had to. Recipe.
0: I haven't had to. Haven't got to experience that yet. Um, we don't really have prawns down here. You know, you get get a few far far between. But yeah, you'll have to come up sometime. We'll get teed up. Definitely, definitely. My um great grandfather actually was from Port Mac. Um. Oh wow. Okay. Unfortunately, he passed away at the start of this year. I, but I was, I was, was, COVID got in the way of doing a trip up there and visiting him and then squeezing a deer
1: hunt in. So yeah. <laughs> having someone up that way will, will help. <laughs> yeah, 100%. We'll tear it up. Um, I stumbled across an awesome Jamaican curry prawn recipe. That sounds it's got good. a punch to it. It's quite a few having areas in there, but it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. You'll but, have to uh, um,
0: send that recipe through, and I'll just go buy some prawns to try that yeah, one.
1: <laughs> I think it's on the website. Yeah, cool. Um, the hardest thing for me, like I don't really have private access anymore. The rabbits we had at my parents' place, because I was big on cooking them, um, I sort of shot them all out. <laughs> um, and with the new housing estates going in around them, yeah. they've got a big patch of a conservation area at the backyard, so obviously you can't go in there. But um, with the housing estates going around the outskirts of that, there's probably little likelihood to, to none of ever repopulating that area. Yeah. Which is good for my dad because he's diabetic and his legs stuffed. Yeah. So if he would have fallen in a hole, you know, he'd be screwed, uh, for the recovery time, but obviously yeah. bad in a sense that my selfish desire to hunt <laughs> doesn't, uh, get fulfilled. There's a lot
0: of, a lot of that when it comes to hunting in Australia, as we were discussing yeah. earlier with, you know, that selfishness of wanting to hunt and have these animals on the landscape to yeah getting rid of them for conservation purposes.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Well, um, a deer was amazing like my first experiences this year sort of getting the deer um, in April um, so the first actually the first thing I cooked was on the back of the jet boil it was horrible because I ruined it oh no <laughs> I, you picked a wrong chewy cut of meat all I had was like a little bottle of oil smashed that in there I had little packets of herbs which had probably long since expired just let it rip throw them all in there and it tastes like garbage and I've gone what have I done here
0: next time I went home. go hard yeah went Choose heart because it's one of the tenderest bits to cook in a situation like that.
1: Yeah, I've still got that in my freezer, actually. I've got a little bit of meat left, but um, the next meal I made was amazing. I took the neck roast um, and made a, I think it was a bourbon. I'm probably bastardizing the French of that. (laughs) But um, just red wine-based, you know, fragrant with herbs and stuff like that It's amazing. You get a little cheap um, Kmart pie maker. Throw the leftovers in that. Perfect. Perfect. Sounds good.
0: Yeah, v- venison's a tough one because if you have a bad experience on it first, that's people's first experience on it, and they're turned off by it. But yeah, it's yeah. most of the time it's 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 pretty good. And yeah, heart it doesn't last that well in the freezer, so try use Ooh. that up first. Um, yeah, but it will still be it will still be alright. Um, chili garlic makes it for
1: sure. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's actually one that, um, article that I'm in the process of writing. It's one of those long-term ones that sort of sits in the back burner, which is like the proper process of freezing and storing like every game meat and yeah. fish that you can think of. So I think that's something that people can screw up quite a bit too. Yeah. is yeah. obviously the handling of the animal when you first take it, storage, and especially the bagging and freezing process, whatever the method you choose to use. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, the, and that's where I think the, the meat-eater one of um, the guide wrap yeah. And the butcher's paper, yeah. especially because I know my freezer, everyone's rough as guts, especially trying to find the body, the ice cream and all that stuff, you know what I mean? they bash bashing boxes and stuff around the freezer and you know, things can get ripped, so one,
0: obviously you don't
1: want to waste your meat.
0: One thing I'm very jealous of, um, New Zealand does it and America does it. So the episode that's just come out um, with Evan, um, he just shot a deer a couple of days after um we podcasted and you know he's got spina bifida so he's bound to a wheelchair and crutches and um he can just take his his meat into a into a butcher's and they butcher it all up for him turn it into summer sausage and sausages and they do it all he pays a certain price per pound of what he wants and yeah
1: wow that's awesome yeah it's it would be
0: very beneficial
1: here i reckon Well, that's what I was going to ask with regards to New Zealand. So when you take an animal, and actually another animal I'd like to hunt too is the uh, Canadian geese. Yeah. So New Zealand and Tassie and Victoria, Phillip Island. Yep. There's a lot there. Um, But I believe New Zealand, with quarantine, you can't bring avian products back over. Yeah. Bird flu or something like that.
0: Yeah. I I don't know too much about that. I know – With deer and maybe like chamois and tar, you can bring up to 10 kilos of frozen meat back to
1: Australia. Are you forced to get a butcher to bag it? Because I I thought that was the thing for it. Um, they have to stamp it or something like that. And
0: I I can't really talk on that, so um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. I'm not 100% sure. I know Cody and I did speak about it briefly on the podcast with him, possibly. Um, it might have been a private chat. I can't remember. But <laughs>
1: Yeah, check that out before you go over, man. Yeah, um, I remember reading some ages ago, and again, it could be just COVID or not COVID. Wrong word. <laughs> <It's> just a dead song. It could be just um, Facebook. Sort yeah, of, yeah, true know, stories. You know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't even
0: know that we could bring. Like I've been to New Zealand before, chasing seeker. Um, it would have been great to know that I could have brought some of that back because seeker was amazing eating. Well, I no, didn't get awesome. to shoot one, but I got to, got to eat one. So, that's <laughs> ah, not all bad then. <laughs> so, how do you see the public
1: views on hunting and hunters? Ooh. Look, I think it's dramatized as everything in the media. You know, what yeah. I mean, they've always got an agenda. Um, and let's be honest, for the most part, the government and everyone else, they don't like firearms. And I understand that to some extent. Yeah. You know what I mean? There, there's been some horrible tragedies all around the world. But not just firearms. You know, there's been many recently with knives in, in New Zealand, for instance. Yeah. So I think it's it's pointing of proportion. And as the media likes to do, they like to hype people up, get that little clickbait going. So, um, It's
0: it's funny that, just quickly while you're on that, um, there's a couple of days ago before we've recorded this podcast, there was that massacre in Thailand at the childcare centre or whatever it was with 32 yep. people and 22 kids. Um just it's amazing how that hasn't had barely any media coverage. Where if it was three or four people in the states, it would be front front page, page news over here. Like it's
1: yeah, well, it's a I crazy a, one. The way I describe it, and obviously you get to walk a fine line if you're a hunting club and stuff like that too. I encourage everyone to follow the law. I don't agree with some of it. Yeah, um, and I would like. Myself and others to advocate to change some of it. Fire By all means have... United. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. By all means, have checks and balances in place. You know, there, there is a great need for, you know, mental health checks. I've got no problems with that. Um, but we go overboard. You know, appearance laws, for instance. Oh. I was only thinking today, like, if I was to talk to a politician, say, our transport minister, yeah. who was the ex-police minister uh, conveniently, and say, hey, I want you to ban all red cars. You know, yeah. Everyone knows they go faster. They intimidate people. They could use those to people, uh, cars to text and drive, drink and drive. Whatever the case is, speed in school zones, and they think I was a fucking idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? So by that same association, if you've got a a rifle, whether it's a Remington seven hundred or one of the, the offshoots, you know, yeah. the copies of that, just because it's got a bike chassis on it, all of a sudden it's scary. It's tactical. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It's nonsensical. That's that's probably the
0: best way I've heard that described and I'm going to steal that from now on. So anyone listening to the podcast, you're probably going to hear that in the future speaking to future guests.
1: ah, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Take it. Go for it. <laughs> Look, I considered sending that email off today. I've got it sitting there pending. I don't know. See <laughs> yeah. how I feel. I get a bit of a shine on one day, you know what I mean? A few beers and we'll see if it gets sent off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like
0: suppressors, man. Like It, it blows my yeah. mind that they're... They're not illegal, but they're not allowed. Like, it's, it, it's so, so yeah. stupid. Um, just because that, like, you look at a, most European countries, they have to have suppressors in New Zealand. If you yeah. shoot without a suppressor, you're almost frowned upon.
1: Wow. And okay. Look, well, that's, that- that's the thing, I guess, with the media as well. We sort of pick and choose what issues we want to run with, and we, we hide the things that are conveniently, you know, counter to what we're trying to achieve. Um, as, as in the media themselves or yeah, the yeah, government who 100%. is running it. Um, but suppressors are a big one. You know, unfortunately, I mean, I grew up on oh, bad uh, Hollywood movies, you know, <laughs> <a> shitload <laughs> yeah. of video games like You Call of Duty, all those sort of things. And look, enjoyable, you know, you get entertainment value out of it. But I am smart enough to understand that, you know, it's not John Wick walking through an airport with a gun under his arm, clicking it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make that click sound. yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's just ridiculous, but it's all I guess, shredded in fear and emotion and not common sense. And back on that, that's um, that's the big thing with with hunting culture, other oh, cancel culture, is a lot of it's emotion based. Yeah. Um, whether you saw my post about the the octopus, the the Animal Justice Party were critiquing um, fishing people. I did. Um,
0: I did see this post. Yes.
1: Yeah, bashing an octopus to death. But and the only reason I know about it is through Meta, Meta or Kimi Werner. Yeah, I believe it was through them. And it was the process of, you know, obviously you dispatch the octopus straight away because if you don't, it's a it handful. You, yep. you can't hold on to the body thing, you know, um, and they're obviously very strong creatures too. Um, so they usually bite it, you know, between the eyes where the, the brain is, and it will die straight away, quick, painless, no issues. You get back to shore and obviously octopus, calamari, a lot of that stuff can be chewy. So what they do is they break up the, um, the, the muscle fibres or whatever it is to soften it by bedding against rocks or yeah. a hard surface. Yeah. Or I believe in the Mediator show, she had it in a washing machine or a dryer or yeah, something same. like that. She would tumble to, to break it up and make it easy. It's like the, the lazy, awesomely intelligent way of doing it. Um, yeah, so a lot of that stuff's based on emotion though because people don't get the underlying information, that education, Exactly. That, that's the, the biggest issue. Um, I think we face is you know, misinformation is a, a key word these days, and I think it, it should apply to all things. So going off that, how would
0: you change the
1: public views on
0: hunting and hunters?
1: So there's a few things I can touch on here. Um, this is something I'm really sort of passionate about. I've had this conversation with a few people now. Um, first and foremost, you see organisations like um, Plot Origins which we talked about earlier. I don't know if it was in the podcast or we definitely talked about it before we, we yeah. clicked record.
0: I think we um, touched, touched both times, before and after. So
1: Yeah, yeah. So those guys, meat eater, we really need to drive home that positive side of hunting. That's not, you know, again, people are under the false impression that it's killing. And I remember someone said on social media once, and I love the, the way it was described, it was um, if... The object, like if the sheer enjoyment was simply the act of killing, then no one would be employed by an abattoir and the line would be out the door and around the corner. People volunteering for free.
0: That's a, you know what I mean? That's a good way of putting it, for sure. Because, yeah, hunting, no. death is a part <laughs> of it, but it's not why no. we're doing it. So it has many, many aspects.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's so many layers to it. You can touch on culture you know, whether it's Aboriginal culture, Native American, I mean, even colonial sort of white culture. I was just about it, to, <laughs> about
0: it, to touch on It's all ingrained that.
1: in it, and that that's one of my biggest gripes with the way we approach things, and that's what I said in the um, the octopus thing, which is like, we talk so much about how much culture has been eroded, and I'm not um, countering that. We have lost a lot of culture from different um, indigenous communities, be it Hawaiians, yeah. Native Americans, or otherwise, but why are we not encouraging people to um, partake in those activities? Yeah. To get that understanding and that appreciation for that culture and some of that's through food, through hunting, fishing. exactly. You know, especially in um, Pacific Islands nations, fishing. You know what I mean?
0: That's been one of my um, points with this whole bow hunting ban in South Australia on the horizon is that, you know, if it was Indigenous people it doesn't cause as much issue and the government tends to side with it, whether it's, you know, we've had a case here in South Australia of a um, indigenous cop beating a wombat to death with a stone, you know, it caused a bit of public uproar, but, you know, not, you know, they're like, oh, it's indigenous practices, rah, 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 um, and cultural things, where hunting and hunting with a bow is cultural, you know, how how long's the bow been been around for, you know, there's evidence we've been using it for at least five thousand years and some yeah some evidence dating back
1: even earlier than that. Like insane well, one culture that was not based around the consumption of meat. Yeah, exactly. Throughout the world. It doesn't exist. So why is
0: it okay for one cultural
1: yeah. group of humans yeah, to
0: to hunt but because we're white and come from, you know, probably like an Anglo-Saxon Saxon background and yeah. been farming for a couple of hundred years where we've yeah. been hunting for thousands and thousands of years and it's not okay because we took that 200 years, couple hundred years off um, farming. So
1: it's... Yeah, I, I'm very much in agreement with what you said. That's it. We should not value one person's culture over another. Exactly. Based purely off whether it's the colour of your skin, your... Chosen God, whatever it is,
0: exactly, and it
1: it should be appreciated much the same, or at the very least, not cancelled. You know, on a on a basis of preference. You know what I mean? And it's a tough subject to talk about
0: too, because if you know you're bringing it up, and it's like you're being insensitive. Like people will say that I'm being insensitive to someone else's culture for you know bringing it up. Like, but you know, hunting to me is 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 my blood. That's everything I know and do now is because of hunting. Yeah. And, you know, to try and threaten to take bow hunting away from me, that's, you know, yeah. it's, it's a passion, it's a love, it's a
1: part of me. Like, you know well, it's a lifestyle too. <laughs> exactly. You know I mean? And it's you, you've demonstrated that with teaching a young fella to shoot a bow. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't matter if you're the first generation or the hundredth or the, you know, 5,000, 5, if I can get the words out. It means something to you and your family. Exactly. And you should be able to continue on that, provided it's not hurting anyone. And obviously, the critique is obviously, oh, was hurting the animal, and you know that's where it gets sideways. But as you said before, nature's brutal. Um, there was some great... And by great, I mean it was pretty... Um, what word do I use? Pretty violent imagery on social media. There was a few accounts on Instagram, which were like brutal animals or something like that. And they ended up getting shut down. But it was people... I assume was a hunter. Who knows? That was showing photos and videos of like different animals eating, surviving. Yeah. So it might have been a eagle picking up a fox. So nature's
0: obviously... metal is one of the, one of those. Oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah,
1: that's awesome. That that was one of them. Yeah. So it was like it might be an eagle picking up a fox, and obviously its talons have torn it to pieces, and it's got guts eating out and stuff like that. And you know what? It's confronting. And it is graphic, and, and I understand some people might be upset, but you need to accept and understand the fact this is nature. Exactly. People aren't immune from that because, I mean, look at Ukraine and Russia right now. Yeah. We haven't changed one bit, you know what I mean? We're still <laughs> – so the guys running around with sticks, it's just our sticks go bang instead of, you know, flick <laughs> Yeah. for a bow. So, look, th- there are ways to change it. Um, and sort of what I like to touch on um, – Obviously, the blood origins thing is getting our stories out there, not only what we do, but why. Um, you know, the, the dude, Steve Jobs, or whatever, from Apple said it, you know, it's not what you do or what you sell, it's why why you do it. So it's a culture, is it food, you know? You might have someone from a low-income housing family, and they might have grown up, and the only source of food they had in the house was that elk or that kangaroo or that rabbit, especially during the Great Depression, prime example, in the what, 20s and 30s. Yeah. And they maybe don't like rabbit now because they're sort of jaded by it because I ate so many of them, but <laughs> it's still an important factor to what they did. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they understand that – I mean, the story of rabbit, we had two dozen in Victoria, and in 30 years, they got to New South Wales border, and 40 or so years after that, we had like a billion of them. Yeah. It's like an, 1.2 billion. It's, it's phenomenal.
0: It's an insane story. I don't even think it was two dozen. I think it was less than that. I think it was like 12 or – just yeah. a very very low number, but they bred like
1: rabbits. <laughs> they did what yeah. they do best. And that's where when they talk about not harming animals, well, you're saying that we can't eat them, right? And, and to me, that like Renella talks about with the, I think it was the um, Alaskans and the bear, the bear skull, polar bear skull, whatever it was. Yeah. Where you put it, put it at your wall, and it's not a trophy in a sense. It's honouring the animal. You know that animal will watch the family and say it was a. Well, if a guy had to kill me, I'm glad it was this guy. Yeah. They're an honourable honourable family and hardworking and all those things so yeah like if we don't if we leave the animals unchecked well, what happens we have a, a rabbit issue we have a cane toad issue we have all these different animals and you can't catch them all and um, de-sex them I mean that's what they want to the, the Brumbies at Singleton Army Base yeah. or, or um, controversial Kosciuszko the same thing oh we'll just catch them and de them okay well they're still destroying the environment mm. okay we'll put them on a farm well, whose farm your farm yeah are you paying to feed them? Well, those cows that we're telling you you can't eat anymore, for instance, you know a little bit off topic, but still about food consumption. Well, the farmer can't eat them or or cut them up, and sell them anymore. Who's going to feed them? He he's got no resources anymore because you took away his his um livelihood. Yeah. So, are are you you know at your cafe cafe in um, Merewell, they sipping your soy latte? Are you front the foot in the bill to feed these animals? Are you coming out every morning to milk them so they don't get issues with their uh, the body? Sorry, <laughs> it's, no, it's a bit of a, a rant, but it, it fires me up that shit.
0: It's a rabbit hole, man, um, you know, especially with that whole vegan side of stuff and anti-hunting activists like we to produce all of their their foods. Yeah. We're the ones that have to go out there, that the farmers get out there to kill all the pests so that they can have their
1: soy lattes and their. <laughs> yeah, well, Ted Nugent said it really well, and I think Yellowstone took a, a version of that for their show, talking about you know, the moles and the voles and the, yeah. the rabbits and the, you know, snakes and insects and stuff yeah. like that. But it's true. Everyone, and I was only talking to my flight mate about it the other day. No one goes through life and does not impact anything, you know, especially animals. Yeah, Whether it's the bugs person. in the windshield. You know, there used to be that big sign that was um, a billboard, I think somewhere in America. You know, draw the line. Well, what's appropriate to eat? So you've got your cow and your pig and your chicken. Yeah. you got a dog and a horse and a <laughs> rabbit, you know. And obviously people draw a line pretty easily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where Monday, they Tuesday, end. Wednesday,
0: Thursday, Friday for me. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and then you've got like another line. It's like Apocalypse. Yeah. It's like the cat. Um, obviously, there's a bit of humour in that too, but that's the thing they never do, draw the line. Yeah. So I've always said that if the Antis, the animal justice crowd truly wanted to make an impact to, to, to assist animals, stop them from suffering and all those bits and pieces, where do you start? Well, in my mind, you start from the, mo- the most important issue first, right? The, the most impactful in a negative sense. So that would be maybe 1080 bait in the forest, right? They love that shit. They sprinkle it like body sugar on the cornflakes. Yeah. <laughs> so 1080 bait, you know, I think even hunters, we can all sort of agree, maybe not farmers, and I understand why, but... Most of us agree that it's a pretty horrible way to die. You watch videos from New Zealand and they're frothing at the mouth for 48 hours, whatever it is. It's it's disgusting.
0: Banned in the States, I'm pretty sure. Like That's how, for something to be banned in the States, you know it's bad.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So as you work your way through what's bad, I'm sure you know, eight or nine down, you get to hunting and fishing. Yeah, sure, knock that off the list. But keep going down in terms of severity. And it gets to a point where you've got no lights on your house, you're not driving a car, you're not working. What are you doing? Tending a garden where you better not spray chemicals. You know, if, if you're pouring water into that, what about the worms? You just drown the worms. And where do you get <laughs> that water from? Well, like... yeah, that, there's always different things too. So, it's, <laughs> what, what, at what point does an animal not become important to you? Because, you know, different people like Rogan and I talked about it. Is it when it's not furry with big eyes anymore? Yeah. Like, you know, Bambi or I don't know, whatever the horse equivalent is, but um, spirit.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But yeah, Renella makes one of the best arguments in one of his book signings. It's an older video of a vegan sitting out in the crowd. And he's like, I care about the animal as a whole. I want these animals on the landscape. And he goes, you care about the animal as an individual. You're seeing it as an individual being. You're not looking at the animal as a whole. Where I know more about these animals as a whole than you ever will. I know everything about them. Where you only want to know and care about the individual animal itself. Yeah. And yeah, just that point he makes is incredible.
1: And it's so true, too. I um, oh, just have a chain of thought for a second. Um, also, population control <laughs> yeah. for animals, right? So we talk about, well, you know, we're, we're too good to eat them, eat them now. Or in case we have a rabbit, you know, blown up population or cane toads, whatever it is, what do we do with them? We've got to kill them. Poison you know I mean? disease. So. That's <laughs> Again, they can understand and they fully accept because the, the go-to response is always, oh, what about humans? Our population is out of control. We're ever expanding, you know, housing estates. It's got a good point. Not that I condone that <laughs> with people, but, um, but I query why they can accept it when it comes to humans, but when it comes to animals, they hit the brakes, put the blinders on. Yeah. They cannot accept the fact that animal populations get out of control because in an area of land can only sustain a finite number of uh, animals, yeah, a finite population. That's due to food, water, everything else.
0: And then introduce, you throw introduced species into the mix and <laughs> yeah. it's a whole different ballgame.
1: Yeah. So, so, so back on topic. Sorry, man. Um, nah, all good. The other point I was going to make is in terms of, and the fishing crowd does it really real well, this is what I was sort of talking to before we started recording, was um, charitable efforts. There are obviously some great uh, hunting charities out there. Uh, field and Game Australia, a lot of the duck ones to restore habitats, especially down your end of the world, South Australia, Victoria. Yeah, We need to do more of that. 100%. And it shouldn't be encouraged. It Almost leaning towards forced. Yeah, As a community that's sort of, you know, hey, mate, pull your finger out, chuck some money in. Awesome effort. Throw Definitely. some time in.
0: Definitely. Ozfish on the fishing side do incredible work for that.
1: Um, yeah. what's well, funny you talk about them So... I did a tree planting day with them months ago um, but I connected with them at a fishing event a few months now um, about artificial reefs. Yeah. So our lake, Macquarie, uh, without going too deep into it, um, issues at the moment with fish kills, there's been a few of them, Um, I I could see why a lot of people would accuse the power plant nearby with water runoff and stuff like that. I won't make a direct accusation so I don't get sued. Although I tend to believe it myself, um, <laughs> but anyway, like the as with all things, you know, fishing and stuff like that. Obviously, was was commercial fishing in there a long time ago. We've sort of fucked our rivers, as we've done the same with the land. So we need to get people involved, and I think the fishing community is starting to turn. Not that they really had as bad a negative stigma against them, um, but they're really improving things by was fish unlimited, exactly, you know, A national organisation doing. Artificial reef, um, mangrove plantations, um, you know, tree plantations and swamp plants and stuff like that. Stockings. They're really yeah. amazing things. Oyster reefs—that's the big one I want to do push with them—is um, oyster reefs in the lake because 83% of the world's oyster reefs are gone. Yeah. Um, so obviously oysters grow on oysters—that's um, food for fish like your broom and stuff like that. Um, obviously they filter out a lot of the water, so all of the contaminants from we had a lead smelter in Lake Macquarie or near it. We have the power plant. All that crap, the heavy metals come into the river. yeah, All that um, gets sucked up by uh, bivalves, so your oysters or your shellfish, and obviously your crabs and stuff like that too. So I don't know what the hunting equivalent is. Maybe tree planting, stuff like that. It's a good start. Uh, rubbish pickup is a good one. Got up Australia Day we did. Um,
0: yeah, like, stuff like, that. like we discussed before the podcast, some think – you know, if they could take the GST off of all the hunting and fishing stuff, and then put like a Pittman Robertson, Dingle Johnson type type thing, where all that money that was for GST goes straight to hunting, fishing, and we had like an actual game authority that managed those funds, and it would be it would be incredible. But unfortunately, I don't see like something like that happening anytime soon. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well- and the concern is that it might get exploited by the government too um you know bureaucracy for the sake of bureaucracy so that money goes into because I believe the way it's structured and I'm not too caught up with it they go to specified agencies they don't spend it within a certain time then it filters down yeah so it's like Wild Turkey or Rocky Mountain Elk whatever those agencies are yeah um, lots of them yep I think it's a great idea um (sighs) I would never suggest bringing taxes in, into Australia although I, I like the concept in America I understand why it's there with so many people so many hunters um, I really think we need to pull our finger out and either start charities or encourage it not just local local's great um, but it needs to be done on a large scale basis and Definitely. it needs to be shown in the media so that I found this with business um, trying to have the website as a bit of a business for the classifieds thing yeah or do the hunting club things too. It's hard enough these days to put a post up, whether it's a video like an educational video, I'm sure you, you set yourself with podcast. Anything with the word hunting, rifle, <clears throat> whatever it is goes in there and you get shadow banning, yeah. you get post flagged to remove, which has been a thing myself and three other people in um, the last couple of days. and you're, you'll reach plummets. So to like and share things is yeah. a huge aid to us. to undertake these environmental acts, to to restore habitat, I think that'll bring the average uncaring person into line with us. You know, we're achieving outcomes that the greenies say they care about environmental restoration, climate change, all those things. Um, If we can do them and really spread that image between ourselves, whether it's social media or otherwise, what incentive is there to cancel hunting? Exactly.
0: Exactly. No, no, you made a, made a very good point there. That's
1: for sure. So, what is
0: hunting to you?
1: It's a good question. Um, there's a lot of things I could touch on. Obviously, I mentioned some of the, the past with family and stuff like that too. Um, you know, my pop, he died at a younger age, so I never really had that connection with him. But hunting you know, something someone I definitely looked up to. You know, just a tough old son of a bitch. You know what I mean, hard worker. Um, you look up to that, you know, I think a lot of kids, especially young men, young boys will see those men and and look up to them and want to aspire to be that person. Um, So for hunting for that, you know, with my uncle, you see these acts and and the importance to them, whether it's food for the family, especially the fishing side of things, it's incredibly important. Um, The mental health aspect you've touched on before, for me, you know, I've lost a brother and I've lost a friend to suicide. Yeah. So mental health for me is incredibly important. You know what I mean? It, there's a great thing, um, the Overwatch Project in America. No. I don't know if you've seen me post. Amazing thing. So it talks about firearms and mental health, um, also for veterans, but it's, it's being released into the general community for firearms ownership. So basically, this organization trains people in mental health and firearm safety. So to veterans, their friends, family, community members – and the whole idea is basically um, to help people in times of a mental health crisis. So let's say it's myself and you. I, I've got this training. I approach you. Hey, man, um, if I'm ever in a mental health crisis, I'm going through issues, can you please ensure that you safeguard my firearms? Yeah. Um, temporarily, it's not the idea of a permanent ban or permanent removal, until I get some help. The help I need, I'll level myself out, and then by all means, get them back. Then obviously you agree. Friends, nice thing to do then you ask the same hey if you're ever in that situation yeah can you do the same for me obviously the laws in australia need to be shifted for that yeah which is pisses me off because it's such a great idea but the idea is that if you or i are ever in a situation where we're in a mental health crisis you know fucking meltdown I, I don't know about yourself but i've had situations like i had that for myself you know especially with losing friends and family yeah you know, you get some pretty fucking dark days. Yeah. So the idea is that you roll up to help me and you're like, Hey man, remember that conversation we had? Let me just take those firearms off you, man. Go get you some help. It's short term. So, so yeah. no worries. You're not the big bad wolf like the police knocking on the door saying, Hey, yeah. give me this too bad.
0: Yeah. That's the good thing about South Australia. I'm not sure among other States, but you can do a written, I think it's about 30 days written yep. have someone else's firearms so that's one one safeguard for that but um you know it's something that's been brought up on this podcast before and heard other other people talking about it you see it face regular facebook posts you know if i go to a my doctor and say i'm battling depression are they going to take my firearms license like it's yep. people don't want to go admit they have have these you know whether it's suicidal, depressive, depressive thoughts because they're afraid that they're going to be demonised straight away by their doctors and then going straight to police yep. and losing their their license and their guns.
1: So to extend upon that, um, there's one guy in America talking about it. I think it was Mike Glover. He does a lot of self defence stuff, and he's talking about I think it's like the pillars of resilience or something like that. And one of the things they talk about is having a key things you identify as as a person so a lot of people it's one thing so it might be you know a defense member it might be i'm a pro footballer it might be a good dad whatever it is you've got but most people only have that one thing so if you're the defense personnel or the football player and you you know break your leg or bust your knee and it's a career-ending injury yeah what are you now what happens to your mental health exactly so the importance of that is having a few factors To identify yourself to safeguard if you start to go down a bad path. Yeah. So I'm not just that pro football player. Well, I'm I'm, I know I'm a good dad, and I love to build muscle cars or whatever it is you do. So you've got other things that identify yourself if shit falls apart, and that sort of helps again to to safeguard that mental health thing too. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's with schools and everything else. That's a lot of what needs to be educated and touched on. it's not just glossy you know, flashcards, and I hate to say it, I see a lot of charities do this, because I looked at getting into that space around the safety stuff, is that a lot of it seems like you, you're grabbing the cash and running. Not all the mental health yeah. charities and stuff like that, but some of them. You know, There's always going to be bad eggs that, that ruin it. Um, and I think forums, in our community really needs our own version. Exactly. Like a, a yeah. genuine level of support. Um, however, we can implement that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's a shame we can't talk about it. Yeah, because it's... Again, you talk about it, and it's, you know, there goes your your way of life. Because it's not just a thing you do for most people. It's 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 a way, your of, way life. of life. Yeah. You know, you may not be out there every single day of the year, but you're sure shit thinking about it. But you I... drive past that paddock, and you're like, is that a rabbit? Ooh, there's sticks there. Is that a set of antlers, or is that a yeah. you know a tree?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And it's, that's the thing, people going out there, it, that that is their antidepressant as well. So yeah. if they're going through something and then you take that means of going out, you know, yeah. it's only well, going to lead to more issues.
1: Well, what incentive is there to get better if you're telling asking someone to choose between their way of life yeah. and quote unquote getting better? Exactly. You and know what I mean? There is rog- no incentive whatsoever.
0: Rogan has a great quote on it. It's like it's, America doesn't have a gun issue. They have a mental health issue disguised as a gun issue.
1: Oh, 100%. where like well, you ever seen a sane person do something like yeah. that? You know what I mean? And I guess sane's a pretty loose word to throw out there. Good. <laughs> <sighs> How many times do you hear, even in Australia, they were known to police? Yeah. You know, they've, even speeding cars that crash into little kids. Yeah. Oh, he's lost his license for 88 years already. Yeah. What the fuck did you do about it? Exactly. Look, I, I'm a firm believer also of, um, you know, the self defence thing with firearms. That's, I guess, a different kind of words. Yeah. Maybe for another day. Def- <laughs> a Bit de- late.
0: It's um, definitely one for another day. I reckon.
1: <laughs> yeah, like the, 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 There's definitely things that need to change. Definitely. Yep. No, that. And, I... and we can. Oh, sorry. But no, we no. can take proactive steps to get there as well.
0: Yeah, that that all I can agree with you with. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, that's a good um great answer for that that question and um went down a bit of a rabbit hole but it uh, covered, a, covered a lot of important um subjects I, I i believe that's for sure so if people have enjoyed what they've heard tonight where can they find you you've what you've spoke about a little bit about oz fishing game um, give
1: a brief brief rundown of what you do there and yep so oz fishing game started off as classified site whether I stay on that path, I do other things also, but um, it's undecided at the moment in terms of the classifiers. When I started, there was the big three, um, used guns, sales, gun Sales, and Don't the to Buy sales. and myself, maybe possibly another one. Now there's like 20 or 30 have popped up out of the woodwork, and good on them for getting in there and having a go. Um, pretty competitive, might move away from that. I'm heavily focused right now, and have been for a few months, on the educational aspect, so try to do some videos, try to do some cool low spec media stuff. It's <laughs> good, man. It's good. Quality may not be there. Um, some sort of joke around piss take videos, although I've got to be careful about obviously firearms and if I can use them for certain videos and how they re- they work into it. Um, a lot of how to stuff, yeah, um, and articles. So the articles, are uh, key information, whether it's brucellosis, whether it's talking about white spot disease and prawns, um, I've got some how to get a certain firearm license in certain states. I was going to do a thorough every state, every license, and there's a lot to do. So it, it definitely is it goes. a lot. That's um, for sure. Education stuff, um, video wise. Again, I was talking before. I was thinking about making a podcast. Look, I might post up some rants on occasion. Um, you know, I'd rather just jump on with other guys and talk with guys like you. You know, it's hard when you sit there by yourself and monologue, it, and it is. You just get fired up.
0: Credit <laughs> <laughs> to those guys that can do podcasts by themselves, because I I definitely couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, I take my hat off to them. <laughs> uh, um, so obviously you've got Facebook, Oz Fishing Game. So that's Oz, not Aus. Yeah. Um, so Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and it's the website. So it's ozfishinggame.com. Game
0: Yeah, no, it's awesome. Yeah. Check out check out the stuff he um done. A great piece on bow fishing a couple couple months back.
1: Um. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm still waiting to hear about all that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem to your, be too many people.
0: Don't hold your breath. That up. <laughs> don't hold your breath. Um, I, I know that one of the guys from FOU only just got an email back from something. They tried a year and a half ago, and they just got an email back about it. So <laughs> don't hold your That's breath with – and I think it was New South Wales, too. So.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, look, I'm, I'm pretty spiteful of that stuff. I'll – I'll dig in harder if they uh they knock me back. So yeah. Oh trust me, I'm
0: I'm the same about this bow, this bow hunting band in South Australia at the moment, you know. Yep. Every time that I, I, I see an answer I don't like, I, I dig in dig my heels in further. That's
1: <laughs> no, good. It's good motivation.
0: But anyway, man, I really, really appreciate you coming on tonight. Um we've spoken exactly. about it for a couple of months, about getting around to it, so
1: I'm glad that we finally did. So that's no, good um only message away so if you want to tee it up again yeah no definitely,
0: definitely man but yeah thank you very much no worries man thank you guys for listening if you're not following us yet on instagram head over there facebook at hunting connection podcast instagram at hunting connection podcast twitter at hunting connect um If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends, family, tag us in your photos on social media, your videos, whether even if you're just listening to it, take a screenshot, tag us in it, you know, all of that helps. Um, Subscribe, rate, review, help us grow the podcast. Thank you for listening.